It's a beautiful summer day. You're taking a walk through the park in your brand new pair of $500 Nike mags, the 2015 reissue of Marty McFly's self-lacing shoes, made famous in the 1989 classic Back to the Future 2. Your walk takes you past a shallow pond. You suddenly notice a young child has fallen into the water near the bank and is drowning. You could wade into the water a few steps and easily save the young girl, but your expensive collector's edition shoes would certainly be ruined. Virtually everyone would say that you are required to make this sacrifice, that you are required to save this child's life at the cost of your shoes. But why is it then that society doesn't make the same requirement of other good deeds, like donating to UNICEF? Why are you required to save one child's life for the expense of your shoes, but not required to save dozens of lives through charitable donation? What's the difference between these two actions? Stick with us and maybe you'll find out. Hey everyone, welcome to You've Got It All Wrong, a philosophy podcast for handsome people like you. I'm Paco Allen. I'm Mark Sanders. And I'm Chad Allen. So on today's show, we're going to talk about supererogation. And that's the technical term for a class of actions that go beyond the call of duty. Just a a brief note on the Latin etymology of that kind of weird word. In Latin, you would probably say something like super erogare, where super means beyond or extended, and erogare is duty or action. And so these are literally actions that go above and beyond the call of duty. And the reason we're interested in these kinds of actions today is because they are kind of a weird thing. And up until the middle of the 20th century or so, most moral philosophers kind of categorized human actions into one of three buckets. Things that you were morally obligated to do, things that you had to do. So good actions, but ones that you had to do. Uh, Morally prohibited actions, so like bad stuff that you're just not allowed to do murder like murder uh and then uh uh permittable actions subprime mortgages yeah (laughs) (laughs) subprime mortgages a moral duty oh no the opposite opposite. sorry uh or or i mean in the case depending on modern america permitted (laughs) not good not bad right so that's the that's the third category of actions right subprime mortgages yeah (laughs) good things bad things and subprime mortgages and and so in 1958 uh an american philosopher named j.o ermson wrote an article called saints and heroes in which he outlined this fourth category of actions uh actions that are morally good but not required and these are the super erogatory actions um and these are things like giving to charity or volunteering or throwing yourself on a hand grenade that's been tossed into a crowd of soldiers, uh, you know, writing that check to UNICEF that Mark talked about in the intro to the show. That's kind of like a classic super erogatory action. It's praiseworthy and it's morally good. But I don't think most people would say you're absolutely required to write a check to UNICEF, right? But I think the fundamental tension in Mark's story is what's the difference between 
sacrificing your $100 shoes to save this girl who's right in front of you and writing a check for $100 to save a girl or potentially dozens of girls from a terrible life in Africa. So I think like to put it another way, uh, which is something that we talked about before the show, which which is kind of like made a lot of sense to me is that we all have a really strong intuition that there are good things, that there are good actions in life that, that we should do. Um, but we also feel like everybody shouldn't be required to do every good act. You know, like it, it would be like really hard to live your life if you were required to do every single thing that was good. Um, but when you try to break this thing down logically and figure out like what is a supererogatory act and what is just a good required act and what's the difference between those two things becomes a lot more complicated than just, oh, like I just have this general intuition that here's this good thing to do that's a required good thing, like feed my child versus feed somebody else's child halfway across the world through some donation through UNICEF. But when we try to break it down, like we're going to try to do on the show today, those two things are much harder to separate as separate types of actions. I mean, there's one line of thinking in which they're just basically the same thing, right? You're exchanging money that you have for the well-being of someone who's less well-off than you, whether they're drowning in a shallow pool of water or whether they're starving to death in a developing nation. So I think, Chad, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are a handful of different ways that philosophers have looked at this paradox or this issue of... Yeah, sure. So like, you know, how do we deal with like supererogatory acts and should I be donating to UNICEF or just feeding my kids? Well, so one tack to take is to just say, okay, well, this dilemma is going to force us to conclude that there's no such thing as a supererogatory action. That basically it is true that if you would trash your $100 shoes to save this girl from drowning in a shallow, shallow pool of water, that you also should write that check to UNICEF. And so this line of reasoning is basically like, you know what? Uh, We were kind of wrong about that intuition we had, that not everything is required. And if you break it down, it turns out everything is required. And so you should be leading a very austere life in which you donate most of your money to charity and or spend most of your time working on charitable projects. So when you say there's that one option of dealing with the conundrum of how to define supererogatory acts versus required good acts versus evil not permitted acts is to just say supererogatory acts don't exist all good actions are required right so there's no like optional good at good deeds yeah that position just basically says like uh jail ermson was wrong and there like isn't a fourth category of stuff there really are only three categories Stuff you should do, stuff you shouldn't do, and stuff that's like whatever you can do it if you want, like subprime mortgages, right? Good stuff, bad stuff, subprime mortgage. Right. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what's the what's the argument against that argument? Because in philosophy, all arguments have counter arguments, right? And counter arguments. Yeah. Well, I, I basically, you'll learn nothing from this podcast right. in the end, <laughs> other than how to argue like a jerk at the bar at night. Right. Well, isn't that the subtitle of the podcast? Mm-hmm. The tagline? How yes. to argue like a jerk <laughs> at the bar? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. when we do the book, that'll be the... Oh. When is the... The book comes out in time for next Christmas, month. right? Yes. Oh, next month. Yeah, just in time for Christmas. <laughs> uh, Philosophy Christmas. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, the I mean, the other side of the argument is basically like, look, we have this strong intuition that there are some things that are good to do but not required. And if we give up on that category of things, then no one's really doing anything praiseworthy ever, right? So we like to say, oh, like Paco uh, worked at the soup kitchen on Christmas. And so that's like a that's like a praiseworthy thing that he took the time to do that. Uh, and that's sort of like how we think about the world, right? Like we think about some people as like doing things that are really extraordinary. But if it turns out that we're all just like required to do all of the good things that we possibly can, then we have to do away with the idea that anything is praiseworthy because everybody's just doing what they're obligated to do. And there's well, also right. the, the practicalities of if you try to focus on only doing good things for everybody else, then right. you would innately not be holding down a job, not right. moving money around in the economy, right. not taking care of indirect actions that would otherwise be positive to other people in right. ways that aren't necessarily positive right now. And I think that would be sort of like the counter-counter argument from a utilitarian perspective is that like sophisticated versions of utilitarianism try to carve out sort of like uh projects they're sometimes called agent relative projects like projects that are specifically important to you and those could just be things like going to your job like they're important mm -hmm. to you in a very kind of everyday sense like you have to do it to earn money and so there are some like projects or endeavors that aren't necessarily benefiting other people directly, but you, but you have to do that in order for the world to like keep turning. So mm. like I think there is like a sophisticated version of the argument that there's no fourth category of things that is something like, yeah, you can't spend all of your money on charity. You're you know, you need to like pay your bills and stuff. But you should be spending most of your leftover money. Like, you shouldn't own that speedboat. Right. I, mean, I mean, I got to say, I love hanging out on your speedboat. Because so. <laughs> in, in a perfect world, if everybody uh, attempted to perform every action into the benefit of everybody else, if as a result there was an accident or you lost all your money through an otherwise uh, fortuitous act, then everybody else who's also doing the same thing would also come to your aid and you'd be the recipient of exactly that same good charity that you'd be given to other people. Wait, do you get a speedboat? <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> I've never been on the speedboat. Um, okay, so just to circle back real quick, one approach to like resolving the issue of super erogatory acts, part of my mind goes to like, Super irrigation? Er, er, no, super er, erotic. <laughs> That's our other podcast, yeah. dude. Uh, but that would also benefit other people. <laughs> well, it depends how you do it, I guess. Yeah. So, like, one option is just to say no. Like, uh, you're having trouble deciding like what's super erogatory and what's require a required good action. Well, guess what? Like, the super erogatory actions don't exist. All good actions are required, right? And the counter argument is that, um. If that were the case, like everyone would spend all of their time ever until the end of time doing good things and things like watching football on Sunday when you could be working at the soup kitchen would be totally immor forbidden, immoral. And yeah. in, like in some societies, if you take it to its like, you know, end, end point in terms of law and civics would be illegal. Like you could like and then football wouldn't exist. Right. Because no one would be able to watch it. Right. And. That Interesting. Sounds like a horrible 
horrible place to live. Yeah, a world without football. A world without Tom Brady. <laughs> well, well, things like, you know, in, in, from a business point of view, it, if research and development doesn't produce an actual output, be it negative or positive, in this case, for the purpose of ex, you know, explicitly helping another person or people with a charitable value, that also wouldn't have a place, even though we know indirectly research and development in the abstract and the academic goes towards producing many valuable, charitable... I, for one, don't want to live in a world where the Super Bowl shuffle couldn't have existed. Well, then you do not want to live... (laughs) In super derogatory land? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Coming to Disney World (laughs) 2016. Yeah. yeah, what's that ride like? There's just like lots of pools full of drowning girls to jump over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. like everybody gets a pair of like. There's a well, there's a movie tie-in um, with the Back to the Future 40th anniversary edition. Um, uh, well, no, it's 2015, right? So yeah. the tie-in is everybody gets a pair of sweet self-lacing right Nike mags, Nike Nike mag $500 shoes, uh, and you can keep those. <laughs> or you can walk, or you, or you, or you ha- can save small children. Yeah, yeah, yep. They probably have a, sa- a, a saving small children mode in them as well. The shoes? the shoes, the shoes, yeah. Oh, so you don't even have to do any work. You, yeah. yeah, and this, they're self lacing, like right. <laughs> they're self lacing. What don't they do? <laughs> self saving. <yeah. laughs> but they destroy themselves in the process. Like if you activate the self. Yeah, no, they inflate so much that they're basically like <laughs> pontoon shoes. <laughs> but it dis- it destroys right. the seams. Wasn't there, wasn't, there, wasn't there inflating shoes back in the 80s? Like you used to be able to pump yeah, them up? Yeah, the Reebok the, pump. Yeah. Yeah. This episode brought to you by Reebok. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty sure like that's where like, the weird like Nike self-lacing thing was may have from come the, from. from. Was it Reebok that had the pump? Yeah. 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 Uh, this is the worst part of the show, I promise. <laughs> okay, so option number two for for resolving this issue, I'll be is, the judge of that. <laughs> um, is is basically that like it's kind of the old like with without good there is no evil, without evil there is no good. Right. If if these if these actions aren't super derogatory, like if they aren't optional, then like the the concept that we all feel is an innate part of being a human being and living in society, uh, the idea of going out of your way to help somebody or like doing something extra or like seeing somebody out in society, throw their coat down in a, uh, over a puddle of water to let somebody walk across or whatever that no longer exists. If, if everything's required, then there kind of aren't good acts and, and bad acts. There's just like required stuff and prohibited stuff. Right. And that's like, you know, the on some level, that's like a huge problem in 20th century Anglo-American analytic philosophy is that like you take these strong intuitions that we have and then abuse them by analyzing the out of language. Right. So it's I don't think you're ever going to convince people that all of these acts are required. And by convince them, I mean, I don't think you'll ever reach a place where people can where that intuition is not sort of overwhelmingly compelling. Like if I give you a theory that says your intuition that giving to charity is optional is wrong. Like that's a, just a theory that's it doesn't have a lot of things. Yeah. I would say that you wouldn't be able to get everyone to agree on what is a, a beneficial um, act 
Like one one person's act of, well, I'm going to give you vegetables to help you grow big and strong is another person's um, uh, uh, punishment. Like, oh, you're going to give me vegetables. I hate vegetables. Like right. it could be the fact that the thing that you need isn't the thing that you want. Yeah, how does like that aspect factor into it? How do you... Everyone has to agree subjectively on the, yeah. exactly the same terms of what is the the optimum act. Like right. If, well, like, I think, like, but the but the issue's separate from that. I think like the 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 issue of whether or not there are acts that go above and beyond the call of duty is like somewhat. It presupposes uh, a state where people could agree on what's right and what's yeah, wrong. Yeah, because that question exists within any moral framework, allegedly. Right. So. Um, you know, you, we may have different ideas about what's right and what's wrong, but we might both agree that within our own respective frameworks, there are some things that uh, are above and beyond the call of duty. Now that you've heard all these perspectives on super irrigation, if you believe that you should ruin your shoes to save this girl... Designed by Tinker. Why Hatchford. aren't you going to iTunes right now to rate us, and then directly yeah, for to real. Unis- directly I, to UNICEF to donate? Yeah, in that order, in that specific order. Because frankly, the good that this show creates in the world is probably outweighing the good created by the survival of. No, sorry. No, 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 no. I mean, no. Let's 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 play let's play that out to its end. Yeah. The more people that listen to this show, to th- specifically to this episode, right, and understand that they should be that donating give, yeah. to UNICEF because it's mandatory, the better, right? Right. And the only way people are going to, the only way that we're going to get more, the most people possible listening to this episode and understanding right. they should be donating to UNICEF is if you go rate this show in iTunes. Like it's probably actually more important that you rate this yeah. show in iTunes than it is that you donate to UNICEF. Right, because somebody else will donate yeah. to UNICEF. <laughs> yeah. That's how I always think about yep. UNICEF We, we, anyway. make, we yeah. make it up on volume. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's the deal. If your last name starts with the letters A through N, <laughs> go rate this show in iTunes. <laughs> if your name first, and then go donate to UNICEF. If your name ends in M through Z, Donate to UNICEF first and then come back and rate us in iTunes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Our, our prayer is standing by. <laughs> no, the I, what? What? The UNICEF operators are <laughs> doing all the work, man. We don't have to do anything. <laughs> They're pretty sure they have a website. Yeah, well, Look, I'm going to go home and the sleep iTunes well tonight. Operators? <laughs> <laughs> iTunes, uh, which app would you like to rate? <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't, call, you don't call into your to, to download uh, your iTunes I, operator operator <laughs> this I is Pennsylvania 365 uh, <laughs> <laughs> alright well I think that's as good a place as any to stop and let that all sink in uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back hey everyone it's Mark we just wanted to take a few seconds and thank everyone for listening. And if you're enjoying the show so far, there's something we'd like to ask you to do to help us out. It's not required, so I guess you could call it a supererogatory favor. Head over to iTunes and give us a review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Ratings, reviews, and subscriptions are the main factors that determine whether we get noticed and the podcast becomes a weekly fixture in your ears. 
We'd really appreciate the support. That's enough groveling. Now back to the show. Hey, Mark. Uh, thanks for doing all the groveling for us, and welcome back to the show, everybody. We wanted to use the back half of the show to kind of step away from the heavy philosophical arguments and talk about some of the things that got us interested in the topic of super irrigation in the first place. And so I think if you sort of trace it back, you know, a little ways, not too far, maybe a couple of thousand years, it, it kind of like the concept first comes to us in a story about Jesus from the New Testament, right? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think another reason why this sticks out to us is because it, it involves a, a term that I think everybody's familiar with and everybody has, you know, again, kind of an intuitive understanding of what it means. But, um, you know, we certainly didn't know the origin of this until we started to kind of get into, um, you know, researching some of the, the, the backstory of this topic, um, and that is the term Good Samaritan. So, you know, this is a story, um, you know, that, like Chad said, goes goes back to, um, you know, the, some of the parables um, from the Bible and is basically a story that Jesus um, told when he was asked what... Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, uh, Luke uh, 10, 25 to 37. Yeah, thanks. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, Luke. 20, no, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that's where it comes from, literally. But like, well, but like, allegedly, Luke wrote it. <laughs> it they probably took it from the from the Mithrathic cult. Yeah. <laughs> the what? Mithras, you know, the bull that was born in a stable uh, to a a, a a virgin birth uh, under a star and visited by three wise men. The whole concept of the the nativity that was taken from from Mithras, the bull god. No, I didn't know that. Uh, mm. But yeah, so I'm sure you're, what you're saying is the story of the Good Samaritan has probably lifted whole cloth from some other parable from some earlier religion. Yeah. Yeah. They'd also found it useful for exactly the same reason. Right. Yeah. Because there's nothing new. Come, What the hell, religious inventors? Come up with a new idea. Okay. Yeah, no. I Good mean, Samaritan. You guys have heard the one um, where Jesus was trying to like uh, reclaim this lost um, artifact from this tomb. And he like he so he has um, he's got uh, he uses this bullwhip to swing across this this crevasse. Oh yeah, that's in the well, um, that's in one of the lost uh, gospels, right? Yeah, that, yeah. Thomas, one of the, the one of the apocrypha. Yeah, the one from the cave. Yeah, the, the ca- cave of the, the cave gospel. <laughs> yeah, and then he's got and then there's uh he's got like dance across the floor where there's different um stone tiles on the floor that trigger booby trap, poison Which, darts. This is Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he gets. And then he gets to the end of that hallway, and can you got, just tell us about he's got a bag of sand in his robes, and he's got to like he's got to replace he's got to replace he's got to replace he's got to replace a solid gold statue of a head with a with an even with a smaller bag of sand. I, it, it, I don't remember reading this, this part. It, of the Bible. it may have been hollow gold. It may have been that's just like a you know who knows how and golden calf and Greedo shot perhaps. first and Greedo shot first right Mark <laughs> I feel like we ruined that whole thing <laughs> we oh we, we. <laughs> I was trying to get to the good Samaritan you're the one off on the tangent with the <laughs> bulls <and laughs> all right the good Samaritan so uh I, the good Samaritan that's like a term that we all know and like throw around every day every time somebody does something that's like intuitively super erogatory um but I don't think like any of us really like knows the origin of that. 
Um, you know, so this is this is uh, a story that Jesus told when he was basically questioned by one of his followers, allegedly, allegedly, told. <laughs> allegedly told, and was allegedly asked by one of his fo- one of his followers, it basically like what the definition of neighbor was uh, in relation to, you know, be good to thy neighbor. Yeah, because in Leviticus, your neighbor was basically like some other dude who's basically exactly like you. Yeah, yeah. So um, Jesus' his response was basically to tell this story about um, um, this guy, this traveler who was, um, you know, walking down a road. And, you know, I think there's there's some indication that this traveler in the original stories was probably a Jew. And um, he gets uh, uh, basically gets jumped and beat up and and all of his his goods and possessions are stolen and he's kind of like left for dead on the side of the road and then you know various travelers come by a a priest comes by of unknown religion or origin just a priest comes by and um total jerk just like walk moves to the other side of the road and like walks past la, 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 yeah. La, la. <laughs> yeah doesn't yeah. like wade into a shallow pool with his nope yeah yeah um and maybe then, he's busy wading into a shallow pool right i got someone. other stuff to do like save this little girl yeah, like there's a small i mean if there was a small shallow pool of water that a girl was drowning in on the other side of the road you know like, don't you think different... that like if i had been around like Jesus would have been like, hey man, shut up and stop asking all these stupid questions. Like, I feel like this is us like talking to Jesus. We'd just be like constantly interrupting him. Please send your email to chat out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I don't know why Jesus didn't, didn't just answer like everybody, yeah. like why he felt he had to tell this story, mm-hmm. but he apparently did tell this story. So anyways, priest walks by. Uh, priest a walks, priest, a, walks a priest, into a bar. A priest, <laughs> a priest, Santa Claus, and the Easter Bunny all walk into a bar. A priest, There's Santa a Claus, and the Easter Bunny walk by this yeah, guy on the side of yeah. the road. Uh, but, I mean, basically, that's what happens is like a bunch of different people from a d- bunch of different places that I assume like back in the day, like all had specific meaning about like right. why the Levite from Levi wearing Levi's jeans, like walk <laughs> so past racist, this guy. Yeah. And like, yeah, well, I'm sure everybody like, from Levi wears Levi's. Yeah, th- I'm sure there were reasons why like everybody walked by and like ignored this dude, like this Jew, like on the side of the road, who's been like beaten up and, and, and all of his stuff's been stolen. And he's been left for dead. I'm sure there were like, that's probably why Jesus didn't just say like everybody. And he told the story was because right. there were like subtle barbs at everybody in the crowd. Like, Oh yeah, I'm looking at you Levites. Right. Um, Tax collectors. But eventually, <laughs> um, eventually a, a, a Samaritan walks by and the Samaritans um, were su- supposedly had like bad, relations with the jews they didn't get along they were kind of you know like they were just dicks yeah they were jerks um but this particular samaritan this good samaritan stopped and uh bandaged the the traveler's wounds uh poured oil on his wounds poured wine on his wounds i think basically just, like bear grills yeah stopped by and yeah like... <laughs> no i mean that's how the story goes basically like anything that he had that was liquid he just like poured on this guy yeah and also <laughs> he like had a first aid kit because he bandaged right. him up but then he like takes him to an inn like puts him up at the inn pays for the guys really yeah I know like, this pays story, pays yeah. pays for the guys lodging tells now it's getting tells, a little creepy frankly tells the innkeeper 
uh, don't let him out of the room. <laughs> don't, don't look in the room. I'll be back. No, but he, tell, he like pays the innkeeper for his lodging and says like I'm gonna I'll come back in a couple of days and if he's accrued any more, uh, you know like debt because he like needed to eat or right. or there's like a there roulette table the, or there's yeah. a roulette table or um, video poker at the bar. Mini like bar. I'll cover that. Kino. Kino. Um, yeah, like like I'll I'll I'll, I'll deal with that. Um, so that, so like, that was basically like Jesus's like super long winded way of saying that, uh, <laughs> slash our super long. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's probably like as short as Jesus told it. I think I, what I'm saying is I think I did as good a job telling that story as Jesus did. <laughs> um, like that was his way of saying that when I say love thy neighbor by neighbor, I mean, every <laughs> you pass on the street, right. like treat him as good as you would treat anybody else in the world. He right. also said, treat others as you'd like to be treated yourself, which is kind of a faster way of saying the same yeah. thing. Well, yeah. I think like by like his like fourth or fifth, you know, like community gathering where someone was like, yo, Jesus, uh, when you say be good to your neighbor, like, is this your like ancient Israelite voice that <laughs> no. you're doing right now? <laughs> no, that would be racist. This is my ancient Sumerian voice. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. You know, so it's like every time he got asked, like, what do you mean by neighbor? Do I, like, really need to be good to Steve because that guy's a dick? You know, like, he throws his garbage right out his window, like, onto the side of my yeah. hut. Um, <laughs> like, eventually, Jesus got tired of telling that story, and he was right. just like, everybody. He's just like, ev- yeah. Yeah, yeah he, like, everyone is he, your he, neighbor. He didn't do the radio cut. He did the 12-inch mix, yeah. you know, for the big crowds. I mean, I think that he had like somebody wordsmith that form a little bit and got to do yeah, like to Matthew, Mark, do, Luke, and John. Yeah, they were all like, uh, "Do, do to the other guy like you would want that guy to do stuff to you," and then just like worked at it and worked at it, wordsmith, wordsmith, and then do unto others right. as you would have done unto you. Yeah, I think Luke had the unto insight. Yeah, technically, I think that what we're quoting is is Tyndale in the uh, King James edition. Rather than the ancient um, Aramaic, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got to be all about the British kings, isn't it? <laughs> all right, who else found something interesting while we? Oh were yeah, so right, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are we indulging you enough? Yeah, we, thanks. Yeah, let's talk about indulgences. <laughs> so it's funny because a lot a of the, a, a lot, <laughs> a lot of the uh, stories are like the sort of origins of super irrigation. Uh, go back to sort of biblical stories or stories about the church, early church or or even the latter day church. Well, I think this is probably because like, obviously, I mean, I think for me, like what it says is that this wasn't like, this isn't a topic or an issue or like a conund- like a, a thought conundrum that people have like just come up with in the, for like in the 1950s. Like this idea of how good do I need to be in society and like what are the required good things versus like what are the good things that I don't have to do? Basically, I think like a lot of people for a long time have been going like, all right, like, like what's the bare minimum amount of good <laughs> I have to do, <laughs> right? And so like right. society, governments, culture at large and religions have been like trying to what's define the this. bare minimum we can get away with? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's like kind of like <laughs> the Bible the bare minimum you have to do. <laughs> no, no. Like the Bible steps in is like the bare minimums, like way more than what like the average, like heathen would say is the bare right. minimum. Like the Bible comes in and religions, I think come in and say like, 
the bare minimum is like a lot. Yeah. Right. But I mean, I think that's why, that's why when, when we're talking about like, like where these topics come from and like, what are some of like the earliest examples that we know of? And like this term, the good Samaritan that's been around for like in the last couple thousand years is because I think like religion has like tried to step in and religious leaders uh, uh, like over throughout history have like tried to step in and say like, you should do more than what you would do if like everyone was just left to their own devices to decide mm. what's because, what's good to do because in society. by nature we're animals and we're going to take the shortest route through the trees it's like children toddlers don't have any sense of conscience or, or a sense of um diligence to other other people they're very self-centered we have to have rules we have to have this outboard brain of contingencies so we can exist as a society anyways the indulgences anyways. i mean i think this is like a super interesting like weirdo thing that that happened yeah so and so if you go actually all the way back to sort of the early church there is this notion uh the early catholic church this notion of supererogatory actions and uh originally were sort of like the um it's like this what does the church call it the spiritual treasury basically the uh the acts of saints, which are above and beyond the call of duty, generate this sort of like extra goodness or this extra merit that the church can then store up in this treasury and then dispense to other people. So it's kind of like the supererogatory or above and beyond the call of duty actions performed by the saints accrue in this spiritual treasury, and then the church can kind of like dole them out to other regular folks to decrease the amount of penance that they need to serve in uh, for their sins. And so I think it originally like goes back to the martyrs uh, where the church was basically like, uh, well, man, these like people have sinned and they've asked for forgiveness. So like the sins have already been forgiven, but they're about to die uh, because they're being persecuted for their religion so they're not going to be able to do their penances. What do we do? And they're like, oh, we can use this saved up goodness from the saints. It's bookkeeping, essentially. It's, bookkeeping. it's double entry accounting. It's, yes, it's credits on the left, debits on the right yeah. of like penance, basically. Uh, so so I think this the concept of the indulgences goes back to like the third century when the church like first had this idea of like, oh, we can like stash away these this like extra merit created by the saints and then like use it to like make up for other people's inability to like serve their penance. It was defined in the Creed and Nicaea, right? Probably. Is it what? The Creed and Nicaea, the, the, um, the event where all of the, the executive bodies of the Catholic church came together and decided what all the rules were. Oh yeah. Like for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is in the third century. Yeah. yeah. 325. Well, that'd be the fourth century, but you're mm-hmm. probably right. Yeah. So and then and then so we all know sort of like the indulgences like later on get this bad rap when in the early Middle Ages, the church starts to sell them off like it's kind of like a raffle like, oh, you don't want to do all that penance. Guess what? We've got this giant bank of goodness that you can draw on so you won't have to like serve all of your penance. And oh, by the way, you can buy some of it. So it's it's like like a a financial instrument, but for faith. Yeah, basically, it's like, hey, if you don't want to say all of those 500 Hail Marys, like, for 50 bucks, you only have to say 10 of them. It's kind of like, 
that's an oversimplification, but that's basically what it came down to. I mean, is it really an oversimplification or like, do you, like that, like that deal right there? You don't think just like straight happened? Uh, I don't know if that I don't know if that specific example. Happened. I think I think I think Christianity was a, a free to play game originally. Then they introduced like <laughs> it was in, free micro, in, in, <laughs> micro, yeah. Well, no, it was free. No, originally it was free to play. Yeah, you just you just hang just out on wanted, this hillside with Jesus and just talk. <laughs> about stuff. They wanted user. They were re- at that point. It was just about like building a user base. Right. They knew they could monetize it later. Then right, they like went, when the when the VCs were like, "How how are you guys going to make money?" They're like, "Whatever, we're just building yeah. a user base." Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then they went to um, microtransactions, free, still freemium, in-app, free-to-play uh, microtransactions, um, and I mean that's that's where the the monetization is at. Like you've only got ten percent of your users, like you know, doing pay-to-play, but right, yeah. the long tail on those guys is ridiculous. Well, especially the ones who like did really bad. Shit. They have a lot of penance to do, and there's just mm-hmm. no way they're going to get it done without buying some indulgences. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the story of it's kind of crazy and like the church actually talks about it in terms of days, like the spiritual bank has days in it. And so you like, you're sort of like getting back a number of days of penance that you don't have to do in exchange for a certain amount of money. So could you like literally buy days off of your time in purgatory? Yes. Yeah. You could literally buy days out of purgatory. And that's kind of how it actually started was that. The church wanted some way to sort of recognize martyrs as having uh, done something morally good. But the reality was that they were going to have to be forgiven for their sins, and then they were going to have to serve penance for those sins, just like everyone else. But they weren't going to have time to do it because they were going to get, like, eaten by the lions in the Colosseum or whatever. And so the church decided that it could... uh, provide them with these indulgences so that the martyrs wouldn't have to serve out these penances in purgatory after they got eaten by the lions. So originally the indulgences were primarily granted to martyrs to, you know, kind of give them a break in purgatory. And that's how the whole tradition of indulgences start. And, you know, so later you could just like get them by being rich and not have to like say our Hail Marys or whatever. Oh, now we have to legislate them. Yeah, now we have to legislate them. And that's, I think, that's what you wanted to talk about, Mark. Yeah, so a lot of countries, um, particularly uh, in the Western world, have uh, good Samaritan laws based on exactly the uh, the concept of uh, the parable of Jesus. Uh, and they're primarily based in, uh, in in two different camps. The good Samaritan law that we, we often hear about in the U.S. and Canada and the, the U.K. and Western Europe is around protection for people who are engaged in these supererogatory uh, actions. So um, uh, doctors that stop at uh, road traffic accidents to uh, help um, help uh, people who may be hurt who don't want to be sued for malpractice because of uh, complications of... Because like when you're giving someone CPR, you like break all of their ribs. Yes, right? it's, so, it's, yeah. it's a lot messier than when you see it in, on the TV shows. Right. Um, so that's uh, uh, basically a, a defense against tort. You're giving people the ability to help their their, their fellow um, uh, members of society uh, by protecting them against uh, unnecessary uh, litigation. And the other type of legislation is most commonly referred to as duty to rescue. So it's actively requiring people in many countries to perform actions to help other people and go out of their way and be engaged in uh, actively benefiting them. Right. And that's like, so there's some things there, like that's meant to counteract like what's called like the bystander effect. 
sometimes where like a diffusion of responsibility is that the other phrase for it. So like there are much famous cases like the Kitty Genovese case where and this is in New York City, right, in the seventies or eighties with this one like being attacked, uh, and there are like thirty people essentially witnessing it from their apartments, uh mm-hmm. and nobody called the cops. And so like the duty to I think the, probably like that case might have been like a like corn like a that the duty to rescue laws in the US might have been like a direct reaction mm-hmm. to that yeah. case. People are compelled to perform some action. Right. Yeah. And you actually see that in um uh featured in the uh, uh final season episode uh of uh, of Seinfeld. Right, where they totally fail to rescue <laughs> basically, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yes, and uh, uh, someone was being uh, being robbed, and they made fun of him, uh, and they were brought up on these uh, Good Samaritan laws, even though that was probably uh, should have been described as a duty to rescue law. Yeah, Jerry Seinfeld uh, got that wrong. Yeah, yeah, as usual, because they call it Good Samaritan law. Like they, in they, the... they call it. That, uh, is yeah. that the epi- is that the title of the episode? Yeah, I think so. The one where Jerry wasn't a Good Samaritan. Yeah, no, no way. That's friends. <laughs> <laughs> the one where. Yeah. No, I, that's it. I, I, we've discussed every possible facet of super erogatory acts and super erogenous acts and super. That's, that's the other and super irrigation, which is illegal. If you have a lot California. of crops. <laughs> well, I think that wraps it up for this episode. If you want to donate all your money to UNICEF, that's cool, but it won't help us. So, if you'd like to hear more of "You've Got It All Wrong," please subscribe to the show and give us a rating in iTunes. It's super, super helpful. And you can find us online at you'vegotitallwrong.net, where you can find show notes for today's episode. You can email us with questions, comments, or recommendations for show topics at feedback at you'vegotitallwrong.net. And you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Paco Allen. I'm at Chad Allen. And I'm at M. Saunders. <laughs>